right. All right. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday. Okay. Some of you, some of you were planted for that one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's a great day. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John is, I think, the most overlooked Christmas story in the Bible. Because if John 3.16 is the shortest version of the Christmas story, then 1 John chapter 4 is the longest commentary on what it was all about. So today we're going to look at two passages. We're going to look at the shortest version of the story ever written, John 3.16. Then we're going to go to 1 John and let John himself kind of expand on that thing and explore and explore it together in terms of its real meaning. The topic this morning obviously is love the greatest gift. Now I don't know about you, but I think a lot of pastors, I noticed online, there's been a rush this year of pastors in the last week retitling their sermons. All right, one of them was the force of Christmas be with you. <laughs> okay, I wonder where's that coming from anyway? You know, I know every year there's a new Christmas movie, right? Um, I just didn't know this year it would be part of the Star Wars series. Okay. But anyway, yeah, Star Wars is on everything. It's branding everything. In fact, we are now the Seacoast Star Wars Church, sponsored by Star Wars. But anyway, I'm just kidding. Okay. So I was tempted to see how many Star Wars analogies I could work into the sermon, um, but decided against it. Are you glad? Okay. But. <laughs> no, I won't do that. We are going to look at the reality of some of the strongest forces in our lives. The last time I'll do that. Because when we talk about the topics we've been covering in this series, we're talking about what are the real roots of real joy. It's so easy this time of the year for everybody to kind of be culturally appropriate and say, hey, joy to you, joy to the world. This is the season of peace, love, joy, hope. But what are those things really all about that empower real joy? We started the series with saying to have real joy, you've got to have faith that has substance. You've got to have something to believe that is truth, that you not just believe it, but you show faith by living it out. It is what one friend of mine calls active trust. That at its roots, faith is about having a, an active form of trust in, in God. We're talking about peace. Not just peace uh, in the, uh, let's sing a song about it thing, but peace no matter what is going on. In other words, we defined it as peace not in the absence of conflict, but in the presence of God as the real root of that peace. Not the absence of conflict, not the absence of pain and problems, but the presence of God, presence of God and His blessing. Peace no matter what with God, life, and people. We talked last week, Ryan did, about hope. Not hype, but real hope that's grounded in real promises of God. I love the fact that Ryan grounded our hope last week, not just in just kind of, well, I kind of hope things get better, but in the promises of God as the source of that hope. It's that confident sure expectation of divine saving action. That's a definition I read years ago of hope. That the biblical form of hope is that confident, sure expectation that God will show up. That God is there and that He has a brighter future for you no matter what you face. Because in Christ you have that type of hope. Today we shift to the biggest topic of all and that is the topic of love. Because it addresses both God's greatest gift 
and uh, I think Scripture would teach our greatest need. As important as faith is, peace is, hope is, uh, the reality is love is the essential of life. So let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thanks for the chance to worship you. Wow, thanks for Lars and the gifts you've given him and his humble spirit in which he delivers that song. Thank you, Father, for the fact that we do celebrate uh, the holiest of nights, the holiest of gifts, and the greatest, greatest story that was ever told. So thank you for how God stepped out of heaven and invaded our planet and help us to learn today what that is all about as we study this topic of love. We love you and all God's people said, amen. So when you think about this topic of love, have you ever asked yourself, where did it all begin? Have you ever asked questions like, why do we as human beings talk about love, sing about love, write poems about love, tell stories, write movies, all about love? Why is it so different in us? The evolutionists would say, well, at some point our brains kind of evolved in a love DNA, okay? That somewhere this must be rooted in just our evolutionary process that we somehow think about things like love more than other creatures on the planet. But we believe that it's very, very different. That love is in fact not rooted, as we'll teach in a minute, in uh, our evolutionary process, but it's actually embedded in us because we're going to see in a minute that it's rooted not in our culture, but it's rooted in our Creator. But we'll come back to that. It's fascinating that as I did some uh, looking around on uh, about this topic this week, when you study the issue of love, where does it begin in the human heart and the human soul that they traced it all the way back? In fact, if you go back to this point in life when you look like this, do we have a picture of a baby? There you go. Okay, when you were this small, in the womb, yet, yet in the womb, you haven't taken a single breath, you haven't seen any light of day yet, do you realize that you are already thinking, you are already feeling, you already have emotions, and that one of the things that you sense and feel is love? Researchers have indicated, for example, that even the environment that the mother is in, when the baby's in the womb even, that even in that environment that that baby senses things. The baby senses the emotions of the mother. The baby hears the music in the room. The baby responds. The baby has a preference, musical style, probably prefers Lars over Dale. Amen? Yeah, so if I'm singing in the presence, that's why my children in the womb were very stressed out, you know, because I was singing. Lars's children, they were very chilled out. They were very, okay. But seriously, even from the womb... We sense, we feel. You say, is there any actual biblical support for that? You know, even in a little part of the Christmas story that we never talk about, very seldom at least, there's this story where Mary, again, the angel announces that by the Spirit of God she will become pregnant and she will begin to bear this child which is God come in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and and the baby Jesus is growing in the womb and and, and, and Mary, with Jesus in the womb, comes into the presence. She goes to visit another miraculous birth. And she visits Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist. Remember this story? And, it's, and John the Baptist is somewhere between probably six to eight months. He's at least six months uh, old in the womb. 
And, and as a baby in the womb, maybe like this, it says that John, when he came into the presence of Jesus, that John leaped for joy in the very presence of Jesus Christ, even while still in the womb. He's alive. And if you're alive, even at this point in your development, in your growth, you experience joy. You experience stress. You experience heartache and and feelings and emotions and, and all of that. And especially we know that you experience the need for this thing which we call love. It's there in the womb. If you fast forward through life, it's the first thing that a baby needs when it comes out of the womb. It's one reason researchers have said as soon as that baby's born, man, it wants to go to the mother and it wants to lay on that mother's breast and it wants to cuddle and be held and be touched because those early touches are the very first language of love that we begin to experience right out of the womb. And then we grow up and we never lose the need to be loved and touched and cuddled and kissed and to feel like somebody actually cares about me. We all need that. And it's not just this ethereal concept of, well, love makes the world go round. The fact of the matter is we yearn in our souls to love and be loved. Amen? I get choked up talking about it. And I get choked up about just about everything. I've been known to do that. If you fast forward to the end of life, most people would say that someday if my end comes and I know it's coming and my body's getting weak, I more than anything else, I don't care what kind of house I'm in, I don't care what things I own, what kind of car I drive goes out the window, I just want to have people who love me. there to talk to me, sing to me, remind me of my faith, remind me of truth, and love on me. So from the earliest point in the womb until the latest point in life, we all yearn for this thing called love. So I thought today as we reflect on the Christmas story, that it would be fun to try to answer some questions. How would you answer these questions if someone asked you? Okay, so where did love come from? Where does it come from? Because a lot of creation doesn't function by the love factor, right? It's just eat or be eaten, right? So where's this love thing come from? Secondly, um, how's the Christmas story relate to helping us better understand it? We all kind of know it's in there, but how does it help us understand this love? How does it help us define it and understand what it really looks like? And then thirdly, how can I begin to actually maybe be that gift that we call love at Christmas? Okay, so let's talk about that. Here we go. Number one, love, where did it begin? So I want you to keep your finger in 1 John 4, because this will be our primary passage. But I want you to get comfortable flipping back in your Bible So this passage is very easy to find. It's page 1, Genesis chapter 1, all right? So go to the very beginning of the creation story. And in Genesis chapter 1, here's where love comes from. 
beginning in verse 26. I've given you references. As always, uh, Ryan and I love to provide you an outline that you can use to follow along. I suggest you actually use it. It'll help you. But here we go. Where did it begin? It really goes back to this story. God creates the universe. He creates the stars, the moons. The, he creates the planets. He spins them into motion. He creates the seas and the land. He creates the plants and the animals and everything. And creation is there, but something is missing. And then God says in verse 26, chapter 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let him or let them rule over the fish of the sea and rule over the birds of the sky and the cattle and over all the earth and over all every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Those are the preschool children. And then God created man. That was a quick joke that you missed. But God created man in his own image. And the image of God, in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Very first commandment of the Bible is to, never mind, we'll go there another week. But just read the text, okay? It's a celebration of love. It's a celebration of romance. It's a celebration of children. And when you read that passage, you say, Dale, the word love is nowhere in there. Why do you say that's the source of love? Well, it begins with this. God says, let us make man in our image. And then very clearly, all through the Bible, it's very clear that there is only one true God, right? That's not a mystery in the Scriptures. There is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man Jesus Christ. So there's one God, one God, one God, but yet the very first thing God says is us. Who's he talking to? And it's clear that uh, theologians for years have said, yeah, this is God interacting with himself because in the mystery of the one God, there are the three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the God, the Trinitarian God, the true mysterious God, somehow is able to talk with himself because there's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that make up the one true God. Now you may say, Dale, that doesn't make sense, so I don't believe that. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of things that don't make sense that you believe. And if you think God needs to be simple enough to be understood by you, then you just invented a very simple God that I have no interest in, right? Okay, so, so knowing that God is beyond us, this is the truth about God. But I want you to see that God is an, He's into us. He's into relationship. That the very nature of God is that God is love. It's part of who He is. It's His nature. And therefore, when God created the universe, God created the planet, God got more and more detailed in creation. Finally, as God's final act of creation, He says, hey, let's make man and let's be really creative. Let's make him as male and female and we'll make them a little different so they like the differences. Amen? Anybody else like the differences in the opposite sex? I am so thankful that God made Eve and not Eddie. And that's, that's the fact, okay? Because he could have done that, right? I mean, all of creation, God could have made us all look exactly alike. I'm thankful my wife doesn't look like me. Does that get an amen? Man, you guys ought to get into this. It's Christmas week, okay? But, but the reality is God is, is very real. And what he's saying is, let's make man different. Let's make only mankind in our image a spiritual being so that we can have a relationship with this final part of creation 
See, God makes all kinds of creative stuff, but only mankind was created to be in us, to be in the image of a relational God. We are created to love and to be loved by God and by one another. That's the difference. That's what it means. That's one big piece of what it means to be in the image of God. So when you hear people from an evolutionary worldview uh, saying that, well, we're not really sure where this love thing worked its way into our gene pool, but obviously from the womb and even in the womb, and as soon as you come out, this yearning to love and be loved is part of humanity, right? And it's, it's evidence that we are different, created by God, for relationship so love is rooted not in our culture it's not something in the culture it's not something in the in, in the in the gene pool that just made us somehow have a love dimension to life it is because god is love that's why it's rooted in the creator and we are created in his image so it's rooted in our creation to be like our creator got that it's a very important part of what we need to know as we think about life and understand why you wake up with this yearning to be loved. God by nature is relational and God is love. Now, what that meant was God didn't want to just make a creation that he could watch. He wanted a creation that he could love, that he could interact with. A creation that could love him back. And by the way, when someone fusses with you about God, as sometimes I fuss with myself about God, and I say, God, why did you let San Bernardino happen? Why didn't you let this happen? Why do you let bad stuff happen? God, why is there sin and suffering and pain in this world? You ever wonder that? I think the number one reason is because God is love. Why do I say that? You know why? Because there is no love relationship without the freedom not to love. So if God created Becky to be my wife and he just pre-programmed her from birth, I love Dale, I love Dale, you know, she could be like one of those Star Wars, you know, machines, you know, that is programmed to love me. And she would never do anything wrong. She would serve my every need. This is like an R2-D2 wife. I never thought of this before. I'm going to add that to the sermon. Okay. R2, Becky is R2-D2, beautiful. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like that. But if you're pre-programmed to love, then guess what? There, the, the, then love just went away. Because for her love to be genuine and authentic, which is the kind of love God wants and that you want, you've got to have the freedom to be a jerk. You've got to have the freedom to not love for love to even exist. So God created man and He gave man that freedom to love Him or to not love Him, to be kind or to be nasty, to, to, to sin or to not sin. That's, it's, it's, it's a freedom that flows out of the absolute necessity of love. Getting kind of philosophical for a Christmas Sunday sermon, but I think it's important because people ask you all the time, don't they? Why, why does God let bad stuff happen? Well, so does God... What I, what I say to people is this. Do you want God to make you never do anything bad the rest of your life? Do you really want God to do that? And people think about it for a minute. And so far, I've never had a person say yes. Because they want to be free. To be real. 
They want to be free to choose to love or not to love. So out of that, that God said, wow, let's create mankind in our image. Then God created you and me and every human being with this capacity made in the image of God to love or not to love because love really, really matters. Now, we know that that story went bad pretty quick. We know that man chose not to love God, but to disobey God. We know that man chose to love his freedom uh, more than to love his God. That man chose sin over obedience. That man chose to sin. And the world was fallen into sin. And then God, because he is love, God didn't stop loving humanity. Because if God wanted to stop at that point, there was an easy solution. Let's do version 2.0, okay? Let's just wipe out the planet, wipe out the universe. God could, in a heartbeat, recreate the whole thing and say, I'm taking away this thing called human freedom because man's already screwed it up once. I'm not going to let that happen again. So, so God, instead, because He's love, He says, then I'm going to go into an action plan to rescue humanity from their own sin. And that's where God set in motion the story, the grand story of the Bible that has as one of its pinnacle peaks this week that we call Christmas. And that's because God acted. So what do we learn about defining this thing called love that we from creation yearn for so much? How do we define it from the Christmas story? And here is where we go to the shortest Christmas story ever written. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever in the world might believe, might trust in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. To love and be loved forever. That's pretty sweet. And in a nutshell, that's what we celebrate this week when you read the Christmas story. It's wrapped up in this highlight phrase that says, for God so loved the world that He gave. Love gives. Love gives. But not just that love gives, but love gives in a certain way. For God so loved that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. So what do we learn about defining love based on this gift that we call Christmas? Or love is defined forever, as I say in the outline, by the gift. And that's where I want to just kind of go a quick overview of 1 John chapter 4. Let's just listen to it together, and then I'm just going to make three quick observations on it, and we're going to wrap up. Here we go. John chapter 4. Here's God's own commentary on the gift of Christmas. Beloved, verse 7. Ready? 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is what? Yeah, God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested or shown in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. This is it. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent, there's Christmas, His Son to be the payment or propitiation, it means payment, for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also, let's love each other. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides, He lives in us, and His love is perfected or completed in us. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. It's a great commentary that just takes the Christmas story and just explains it. What do we learn about love from it? Three things. Number one, we learn that the gift is natural for God, flowing from who He is. So if we want to love like this, we better ask for His help. In other words, it's impossible for us on our own to love like our Heavenly Father. But the cool thing is the passage says that God loved us, sent His Spirit to live in us, so that we actually can be transformed as we grow in Christ to love like He loves. But I want you to just see that for God, love is natural. I I was thinking about this this week. God needs He never needs to remember to love. I do, but He doesn't. He never needs to work at loving because it flows out of his character. It's easy for him to be the God that he is. And that's that's a beautiful thing that we need to know about our God. So the summary of that is that love is natural for God, but it is supernatural for us because we only do it whenever God does it through us. So it can flow from us as we live in dependence on His Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, write the reference down. You'll read it this week if you do the the five encounters with God that we send out by email Monday through Friday. But this is so cool to think that it can become natural for me. It's supernatural in that it's, it's the Spirit of God who lives in me, the Spirit of Christ that enables us to love in the way he really wants us to love, which is way beyond the normal human definition. And, and, but it can become, quote, natural for me as I live by the power of his spirit that abides in me. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. Dr. Howard Hendricks, who's with the Lord now but was a longtime mentor of mine, used to say it this way, Dale, the Christian life is not hard, it's impossible. It's not hard, it's impossible. And the first secret to living it is understanding this so that you come to it in total dependence upon the God who loves you and died for you and then sends His Spirit to live in you. And as you grow in Christ and live in dependence on His Spirit, then guess what? You will become more like Jesus. You will actually become more like the God for whom love is natural. Second thing we learn about love is in verses... So verses 7 and 8 tells us it is a God thing. God is love. Verses 8 and 9 give us a little more insight into what God means by this. It says that He sent His only Son into the world that we might live. By this is love. Not that we loved God first. That's not the definition of love. But that God loved us before we ever cared about Him. See, that God loved us, sent His Son when we did not really deserve it or ask for it. Therefore, number two, this love is not just natural from God, it is unconditional. It's not a wage or a bribe. 
It's given with no strings attached, and that's what He calls us to do as His followers. And the Christmas story is a great illustration of this, that He really does do it, no strings attached. You've heard me teach this before. Human beings usually love as a wage or a bribe. Right? When I love as a wage, it's because, okay, um, you did something for me, so I need to pay you back for doing that. So I, you love me, so I love you in return. That's paying love wages. Or if you haven't loved me yet, I use love as a bribe. I think, okay, I'm going to make the first down payment in the relationship. I'll do something sweet for you. I'll love on you so that I expect a little love in return, right? And if I don't get it, what do I do? I quit loving. See, that is how the world operates. They call it love, and it looks good on the surface, but it's not what's in the Christmas story, and it's not God, and it's not the type of love God wants His children to really have. His love was unconditional, not that we first loved Him and said, Oh, God, I love you so much. Would you please save my sorry soul? Well, it didn't happen that way. It's when man were... Romans 5 says, When I was His enemy, He loved me. So this is the unconditional love of God given no strings attached. That's number two. Last but not least, number three, this love is expensive. comes at great cost to the Father. So if we're going to love like that, we've got to be willing to love with sacrifice. In verses 11 through 14 that I've already read, so I'm not going to reread it, but what it emphasizes is the sacrifice that the Father made. That God so loved us in verse 11 that He sent His Son, His only begotten Son. The emphasis on there was no other gift that God the Father could give. But He gave it. And the Son was willing to be it and to come knowing that He would die, knowing that He would sacrifice His Son for you and for me. That's love. 9-11 has always been a, um, a part of our story now as Americans. And on 9-11, I have the utmost respect for those first responders that story after story says they showed up and they rushed into that burning building to help people get out and to rescue people. And, 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 and we know that they did that. And, we, and I admire that because they were putting their life at stake and on the line. But let me ask you a harder question. What if they already knew for certain that while in there, that building would collapse on them? Would they have gone in? Maybe some. I think a lot wouldn't. Let me make it even tougher. What if I was there in New York and my son was next to me and maybe I'm in a wheelchair but my son is walking and he's pushing me along and, and we see the building burning and see people needing help. And what if I knew that the building was going to collapse? Would I send my only son into the building to help some people that I don't even know and who don't even know me? The answer to that is no. And if you're honest, your answer would be no. And you know why? Because you don't love like God. Because God sent His Son into a burning building called planet Earth knowing that the whole thing and the weight of the sin of humanity would collapse onto the cross of Jesus Christ. And God the Father still sent. And the Son still went. 
It's kind of interesting that when you summarize all that we learned today about love, it's kind of like this story at Christmas models, motivates and gives the means for love. The model for love, let me summarize the whole morning. The model for love is the Father sent His Son into this world to save us. The motivation to love God is that Jesus Christ went, the Son went. And therefore, because the Son of God went, knowing what He was going into to save us, to die for us, that motivates me to love God. And then the means for actually becoming a more loving person is the Spirit came. The Father sent because He loved. The Son went because He loved. The Spirit came out of love to make us people who can love like we were created to love. If you've never put your trust in Christ, it's there. All you've got to do is to go back to the verse we started on, 1 John. For God so loved, but just put in your name, for God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him, if you believe in Him, you shall not perish but have eternal life. And I would add to that, and you, by His grace, can learn and be love. Pray with me. Father God, thank You for Your incredible gift. Thank You for the gift of love that You put on display. As Ryan often says, love on display is what God wants us to be. And I thank You, Father, that You put it on display when the Father was willing to send the Son was willing to come. And then He sent His Spirit to live in us. Father, if we have any friends here today who have never trusted and put an active, trusting faith in Jesus Christ, I invite them right now to say, Wow, God, I never realized this. Dear Father, thank You for sending Your Son. Would You pray this prayer? Thank You for sending Your Son. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Please send your spirit to live in me that I might be this type of gift to everybody around me, that I might be love. In Christ's name, amen.